Mic check, one, two, three. We got Holt Smash in the house. Hey, how's it going? Good. And we finally have Mr. J.B. Brooks in the house. So now we can officially start SEC Slow Smoke. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I think we've gotten up to 36 listeners on the first podcast. Uh, you're listening to the official SEC Slow Smoke podcast, where we will be previewing Texas A&M football. Before we get started, let's get into our official theme song for the week. Here it is. Start with Holt. What song was that? Um, yeah, I have no idea. What was it? JB? It's it's the Aggie Warham. It starts off goodbye to Texas University. So long to the orange and the white. There you go. There you go. Now you know Texas A&M official fight song. It was three minutes long. I only spared you for the first twenty seconds of it. Um, but now we can officially kick this podcast off. Um, before we get started, we want to thank all of our Twitter followers. Uh, we've gone up recently, um, the past week, probably 500 followers. You notice uh, we've been following more, so we've unfollowed a lot. And then um, JB has followed some as well. Um, JB's criteria for following is only hot girls, only only hot girls that like or retweet us, correct, JB? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> All right, that's what I thought. So let's get into Texas A&M football for the 2018 season. So a lot of a lot of changes happened uh, year over year with uh, Texas A&M. I think we talked about this before, how they have a new coach. They have Jimbo Fisher. They have new offensive coordinator, uh, Daryl Dickey from my alma mater, the University of Memphis. And they also have Mike Elko from Notre Dame as the defensive coordinator. Um, more information about Texas A&M. They have a lot of experience, believe it or not, returning. They have 19 returning starters, and they have the 17th ranked recruiting class coming in this year. Um, according to four seven, Jimbo got a late start, but still had a great recruiting class, um, top 20 recruiting class. So with that, uh, want to talk to Holt. Initial first thoughts about A&M coming into the season. Yeah, well, actually, I um, think Texas A&M is pretty underrated going into the season. Just like you're saying, they return a, a lot of starters. Uh, Kevin Sumlin maybe didn't do a lot of things well at Texas A&M, but he did recruit pretty well. So, definitely got some good players this year. And, uh, you know, they got a couple quarterbacks with a lot of playing time uh, under their belt. They got one of the most underrated running backs in the country, Travion Williams, um, really solid player. Um, they do lose a couple receivers, but um, looks like the guys they got coming back are pretty productive as well. And uh, a really sneaky good defense. I think that's probably like the one thing that you're going to hear on this in this episode uh, the most is they, uh, they've really got some good players on defense, Landis Durham and uh, Tyrell Dotson, uh, just to name a couple. So uh, I think they have a chance to be pretty salty on defense this year. Obviously, you said they hired Mike Elko. Um, did a great job at Notre Dame last year, really helped turn them around. And uh, I think Texas A&M, no one's really talking about them, but I think they're uh, going to be pretty solid this year, uh, maybe like an eight- or nine-win team, um, which is about what they have been. But I feel like for some reason most people are kind of, you know, projecting them to be like 
six and six, seven and five. But I think they're going to be an eight, nine, ten win team this year. Let's not forget, of course, that they did lose the great John Chavis, which is probably their best asset going forward. That they did lose him. That's a great thing, believe it or not. Ten years ago, have been a bad thing, but um, Chavis has kind of lost a step in his his uh, older years here. He's now at Arkansas, but um, I think that's a good thing that they did uh, move on from him and hire Mike Elko. JB, uh, what do you have to say about AM now? I don't know if you know as much because you're coming from the East being a Tennessee fan, but you didn't watch Texas a and play? I watch Texas a and play all the time. Like back when, uh, before they came in the conference, like I was one of the biggest proprietors for them to join the SEC. Like I thought they were a perfect fit. But as for this year's team, uh, Jim Fisher really inherited a good situation. I mean, I do think they have the opportunity to have an instant turnaround. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like kind of turnaround where they're going to compete with Alabama for the West. But I do think they can get about eight or nine wins this season. Uh, Jim Fisher inherited a great situation. Uh, lots of talent left on the offense. Uh, Sumlin definitely has a cupboard uh, pretty strong. Uh, Sumlin just – the problem with Sumlin is that his teams uh, would always start off strong and then they would uh, – get weaker as the season would progress. Uh, you can get a tribute to the coaching, maybe some injuries they've had. But I do like the way they look this year. Uh, losing Chavis is going to be a good thing for them. Uh, the problem with Chavis is his, offense, his defenses struggle against teams that are more of a hurry-up offense. Back when he had success at Tennessee and LSU, he coached against offenses that were in the huddle. He had chances to uh, – you know, send substitutes in and have his defenses set and was able to scout offenses. He wasn't able to do that now with the hurry-up systems, and he hasn't really been able to adapt to it in the future. So for A&M fans, it's not really a bad loss, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is Chavis – was Chavis the type of defensive coordinator that was been don't break defenses, like as in allow seven or eight – I mean, first downs, but try to either turn the ball over with a fumble or interceptions, and when you get – into the um, you know crossover the fifty yard line to start actually playing defense is that right or am I wrong? Not necessarily. Uh, the bender but, but don't break. Chavis uh, defense was more or less in late game situations when they were playing a team that was needing to go down the field like say seventy five yards in two minutes. That's when he would play prevent, and that's where the famous Mustang package was prevented, where he would only rush three and drop back eight. And that was always Chavis's philosophy in late situations. But overall, Chavis was a really aggressive defensive coordinator. He always would send about six or seven guys to the quarterback, and he was always good about coming after the quarterback. And we'll we'll get into their game by game schedule and you know predict if we think they're going to win or lose. Uh, it sounds like right now we have a consensus of eight or nine wins for the year. Which uh, I would like to add. Uh, the good thing about Jimbo Fisher is. There's, there's very high expectations at a and especially when you pay somebody $75 million over, what, 10 years it is, so $7.5 million a year to coach the team, and, you know, they have all the resources they do. Um, so there's very high expectations, but um, the first year expectations are kind of low because he um, came to the situation late and the way someone set it up. So um, I'll ask both of you uh, probably hope first. What is – what does success look like for A&M in their first year under Jimbo as opposed to Kevin Sumlin? I would remind you all that Sumlin had the 8-4, and 7-5 record down um, every single year. So um, is it just getting 
eight wins or nine wins, or is it getting eight or nine wins and finishing the season strong, competing? What does it hold? Uh, well, to me, the most important thing is that they show uh, some sort of progress as the season goes on. Um, maybe like, well, they definitely need to beat LSU, I think, um, for it to really be considered a successful season. They still have not won that game since they came into the conference. Um, I think that's – if I had to put it on one game, I'd say that one. But also just think they need to be competitive in bigger games, which, I mean, they were last year, honestly. I mean, they only lost Alabama by eight points. If you remember that game, um, you know, they didn't really get blown out at all last year. They were just kind of losing to bad teams. Um, like, you know, they lost to Florida on the road, I think. And, uh, you know, so to me it's just more about uh, – getting better as the season goes on and not having that rough November stretch um, that they've kind of grown accustomed to there. Uh, I just think they need to, uh, you know, just like I said, just finish strong, beat LSU. And uh, I think they'll consider that a successful season, even if they don't get to like 10 wins, you know, I think uh, in year one, that's the main thing you're looking for is just to finish on a strong note going into next season. If you, if you remember last year, um, Last year could have been uh, even going before you even got into the season. You could say that last year was a make or break season for someone. You know, he came into the conference beating Alabama and going 11 2 with Johnny Menzel, and then he's finishing up with eight or nine seasons every year. Um, but you you kind of remember uh, that first first game, I think it was the first game against UCLA, where they were. And in fact, me, me and JB were watching this one together. Um, shout out to Twin Peaks and Buckhead. Uh, we were watching this one together, and they were up by, like, what, 20 or 30 points against UCLA and let UCLA come back and beat them. I don't know if it was an overtime or not, but I think that was the final straw. Was that what you would say the final straw was last year, JB? The very it final? was. And, Do you think yeah, you recovered from that? No, no. Like, when we watched that game together, I mean, I think you and I both looked at each other and said, this is the beginning of the end for Kevin Sumlin. And, of course, you know, a lot of the Texas A&M fans were melting down over it. And I can't blame them. I mean, you had that game pretty much won, and that, that was pretty much just a testament of A&M teams over the course of the Kevin Sumlin era. They'd always start off strong, and then they would always falter in the end. This is uh, – and this might hit a little, little close to home, JB, but um, what makes me the most frustrated with A&M, uh, very similar to Tennessee, is how much talent they had on their team and how they couldn't put together a complete season, especially like Tennessee – um, when they started out, whatever it was, 5-0 and, and then 6-1 against Alabama after they lost to Alabama. They had so much more talent than a lot of teams they played against, and they just couldn't put it together for this whole season. No, like the 2016 Tennessee team uh, was arguably the second most talented team in the conference. They just couldn't put it together. But us for A&M, like last year, that 2016 A&M team was also really talented too. And of course, they both met each other uh, midseason. They were both undefeated, and A&M ended up winning that game in overtime, which one of the best games of the past five years. Let's uh, let's talk about – let's get into their offense now. Um, if you think about Jimbo Fisher, the first thing I think about is, is, is his offense and his um, quarterback development. Um, I don't know specific the breakdown for offense versus defense, but they do have 19 returning starters, um, including Craig <coughs> Williams. And <laughs> nobody really knows for sure who their starting quarterback is going to be this year, it's either going to be Kellen Mond or Nick Starkle. Uh, Nick Starkle finished off the season um, maybe a little bit better, you could say, than Kellen Mond. But Kellen Mond, uh, and maybe I'm just too obsessed with recruiting rankings, he was 
uh, a five-star quarterback coming out of high school, and I think it's like a top ten player overall coming hmm. out of high school. Um, Correct. I'll, I'll read your read the stats off real quick. Last year, I have them in front of me. Um, I don't quite have the encyclopedia brain that JV does, so I do have to take some notes before I do this. But um, Kellen Mond last year had fourteen hundred yards, um, eight touchdowns, six interceptions, and fifty-two uh, percent completion. Uh, while Starkle had 1,800 yards, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions. Both of them were freshmen last year. Now they're turned sophomores. Um, so they have experience there. But some people say, you know, you only if you have two quarterbacks, then you really don't have one quarterback. You don't have a good quarterback. So, um, Hole, what, what can you tell me about the quarterback battle between the two? I mean, who would you prefer and who do you think might fit better under Jimbo Fisher between Mon and Starkle? Yeah, well, real quick before I answer that, I do want to correct one thing. Uh, Texas A&M actually did beat Florida last year. I just uh, noticed that. I don't know why I thought they lost that game. Um, but just want to correct that real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, we were caught at the end. Don't worry. We have our – We have our. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we're, we're not perfect here. We, we do make mistakes. Florida and Texas A&M were neither very good last year, so that's kind of why I just assumed that the home team won that game. But uh, – Anyway, talking about uh, the quarterback competition, um, I really liked uh, Kellen Mond last year. I thought he really showed some flashes as being a, you know, a really solid quarterback. Definitely um, that UCLA game. If you watch yeah. that UCLA game, he, he and was he played. Top. Yeah, and he made a few really big plays in the Alabama game as well. I remember a play where he like broke a couple tackles and ran around and you know threw a touchdown pass. Um, so he definitely has some ability. But uh, I think Starkle is probably going to be the guy um, just because he fits more what Jimbo Fisher wants to do. Jimbo Fisher isn't really uh, down with the dual-threat quarterbacks. He's more about, like, the the big, physical, strong-armed quarterbacks um, to run his offense. He runs more of a pro style, not so much of a spread offense. So I think Starkle really fits uh, what he wants to do going forward. I don't know if he's going to – maybe like Kelman play a little bit, like maybe in some short yard situations or, or just kind of like mix things up a little bit. But uh, I, I think Stark was going to be the guy as long as he's able to stay healthy this year. Obviously he got uh, pretty banged up last year um, and was hurt most of the year. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, just like I'm saying, I think Stark was going to be the guy and I think Mon may play a little bit. Um, and hopefully he doesn't transfer like a lot of quarterbacks do and they don't win the job. I was gonna say maybe um, maybe he could transfer to Ohio State like Joe Burrow transferred to LSU have a little trade off between conferences. <laughs> yeah, we could <laughs> definitely see that. Yeah, but um, of course, Urban Meyer wouldn't play him. I don't think, but um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Um, I would personally still go with Kellen Mond, but I'm also back into NCAA uh, mode when you play on Xbox and you have. <coughs> the uh, cornerback slash Trenton Holiday at the quarter quarterback position and you just you know run out to the right and just scramble for 20 yards but I guess it doesn't work like that in real real life college football especially with SEC defenses when the defensive end is running a 4-5 or 4-6-40 to catch you and you can't really get outside them so maybe maybe it doesn't work like that but um, yeah I can see what you're saying with Starkle being more of a Jimbo quarterback um, JB would you agree with that? Yeah, like I'm, I'm definitely thinking that Starkle is going to be the man for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, he's more of a pro style type quarterback. Uh, Kellen Mond, I think, actually has more upside than Nick Starkle. But Starkle's just the more stable guy, and I think if he's healthy, the starting quarterback, and I think he will be starting quarterback for the foreseeable future under Fisher. And I do really like how the offense might look with him under center as well. 
I really, I really hope whoever the quarterback is, I hope they really, really do some stupid shit like Jameis Winston and steal like some crowd blacks from public. We can listen to Jameis Winston say like, no, it's not against the rules for Jameis Winston or Nick Starkle. You know, it's only it's only against the rules if you're not a quarterback. It was great when watching Jimbo defend Jameis Winston year after year after he did some stupid, stupid ass shit. And I hope, I mean. Just for my entertainment, I hope they don't make bad decisions in life. But like, I do hope for you know, our podcast purposes and for my entertainment that Nick Starkle goes and steals some steals some stuff in this grocery store, so it makes it interesting for us. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's no Publix in uh, Texas. No, I think I think you're probably right. So it had to be like the the equivalent of Publix in Texas, which uh, we'll we'll have our Texas people reach out. To and I mean, Texas. you know. You know that Jameis Winston didn't just take those crab legs, right? I mean, like, you know someone at that store told him he could have them. Like, someone someone there had the hookup. Someone told him, like, hey, man, like, you play for Florida State, just take these. I guarantee it. Do you think I mean, somebody told Jameis Winston, I can't, I can't repeat it, or we can repeat it because, I mean, we can say whatever the hell we want. Do you think somebody told Jameis Winston in the lunchroom or cafeteria, what it is, whoever it was, to say F her right in the – you know, I mean, I'm sure someone dared him to. I don't know. <laughs> do you think? Do you think he was like hollering at a girl, like, "Hey, this is this will get her"? No, I don't think that's what he was going for. I mean, maybe. I mean, you know, honestly, if you look at his track record, I mean, it's just starting to think that maybe he just has like no clue how to, uh, you know, attract a woman like at all. Because apparently, like, he's just yeah. I mean, yeah. come on, we're talking about crab legs here. It's just crab legs. I mean, it's something that you put in your mouth and eat. I'd rather talk about football, though, because it's just crab legs. Crab legs, what? They're not that expensive. <laughs> JP, yeah. JP, I feel like you're the type of guy that would say something like that, though, in the lunchroom to get a girl. Maybe I mean, not. whatever floats your boat, bro. Maybe not. All right, let's get back to football real quick. So even more exciting than crab legs or Jameis Winston is Texas A&M running back Travion Williams. He's probably the least talked about running back in my mind in SEC. And he's the most exciting. He didn't – again, he didn't put together a complete season last year, but there were a couple of games there where he looks like he just ran straight through people. Um, that's what I'm most excited about. What, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah. I definitely uh, am a huge Travion Williams fan. I was this time last year as well. Um, I just always thought he was really underrated. He's uh, he's not the biggest guy. Um, he's about, uh, about 5'9", maybe a little over 200 pounds. But uh, he he has the ability to break tackles and uh, really deliver the blow as a running back when he's got the ball, and uh, but he's also got that breakaway speed. Um, you know, he can hit the hole and he can just be gone. Um, exactly. I, I just think like it's that, kind of that. it's kind of a home run threat, and then also a between the yardage type back. And I think he's really gonna uh, thrive in this offense this year. I agree, and I everyone talks about Snell at Kentucky being the best back in the SEC, and nobody talks about Travion Williams. The dude has the most breakaway speed that I've that I see in this current crop of running backs in the SEC. Yeah. And the and Jimbo Fisher's offense is perfectly set up for Williams to really thrive and definitely get over a thousand yards a season as long as he stays healthy and gets the touches. Yeah. And there's definitely not like one. Uh, this isn't like a regular season for SEC running backs either. You, there's not like that one guy like that Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis or Derrick Henry or whoever. There's not like that one guy here just like, oh, my God, this dude is like unbelievable. Like everybody is kind of like – like I think the run, SEC running backs are maybe down like a little bit overall, but I definitely think that 
Travion is at the very top. Would you oh, right. absolutely? What would y'all put him top five running back, top three running back in the league? Where would you put him? Top five, definitely top five. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. Like, I've, I I like Benny Snell a lot. I just think part of the deal with him is that he's just got you know the numbers. You know what I mean? He, yeah. Because they they give him the ball so much. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying that you know I think that a lot of running backs would have big numbers like that if they got the ball as much as he yeah. has. And then, of course, you know, you look at like, yeah, DeAndre Swift, too, at Georgia looks like he's going to be a monster. Swift is going to be, like, just the next great Georgia running back, too. Like, Georgia just puts out running backs like it's crazy. I think he's going to be – he's going to be just like a Sonny Michelle in that offense. Like, I yeah. – no, you know, of course, he was, like, forgotten last year because he was, what, third or fourth running back in the rotation. Yeah. Because Chubb and Michelle got all the touches. But Swift's going to come in, and he's going to absolutely kill it. And Jordan yeah. Scarlett at Florida too is a guy that uh, I think could be could bounce back this year. And I'm sure LSU's right. got somebody we haven't even heard of yet. Right, right. That's just going to come out and be awesome. So we'll say we'll say safely that we think there are uh, SEC running backs are deep this year. Not not too many people towards the top like uh, like Derrick Henry or Leonard Fournette. But you have a lot deep running backs. But we could probably safely say that Trayvon Williams top five running back. Right, both y'all. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I put him in the top. I put him in the top three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot too. Um, all right, so let's go. Let's go to the defense real quick. Um, oh, wait, before we get to the defense, let's let's make sure we mention like three more times that Daryl Dickey from the University of Memphis is offensive coordinator. And I'll comment on this. Um, I really don't know how he's going to pan out because, um, as you know, I am a University of Memphis grad, proud grad, and um, <laughs> I do like SEC football, not one specific team in the league. But Daryl Dickey himself, I'm from Memphis. I'm not sure how much. He's really going to have control of the offense just because you have Jimbo, that's offensive guy, um, to begin with. And then uh, if you think about Daryl Dickey at Memphis, he was really running, running the offense under Mike Morvell. So it's more of Mike Morvell's offense than Daryl Dickey. So I don't, I don't know how much you really impact the game either way, but I think they'll be fine with Jimbo Fisher leading the offense really under Daryl Dickey. If that, or if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Cool. I, I definitely think like Jimbo knows what he wants to do, and I'm not really sure that uh, he's coming in saying like, "Yeah, I, I really want your opinion on all these things." I think he's kind of just like, "Here's what we're gonna do. Here's how you're gonna run our offense, and I'm gonna call the plays." You, you know, know what I mean? Like, it's, I, it's 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 gonna be Jimbo's offense. Yeah, and I haven't looked too deeply into receivers. Uh, I haven't done as much research as I want, but I don't. Nobody in my mind right now stands out from the yeah well they lost kirk and then uh they also lost uh ratley who averaged like 23 yards a catch last year which is like ridiculous yeah uh yeah he was definitely their playmaker yeah and then they bring back uh osbon i think it's supposed to be their big guy this year he had 50 catches last year um i think he's a little bit more of a possession receiver but i think he's a really solid target for starkle or monitor whoever wins the job he's probably going to be the uh the focal point of the receiving core so one thing you can say under Jimbo Fisher, we we know that the running back's going to be good. Uh, we know Jimbo can run a good offense. We don't necessarily know the quarterback, but um, we think it's going to be a good offense, right? Everybody, absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, the offense may take a little bit longer than the defense, but I do think by the end of the year they're going to have the offense rolling a little bit more. Yeah, and I think, and I do. I will say this: uh, this A and N team. Is going to be unlike the Sumlin teams. This team is going to finish stronger than the previous teams they've had, and I believe that they won't start off the season 
as good. But as the season progresses, you're going to see vast improvement, especially on the yeah. offense. It so, also helps that their last three games are all at home. Ole Miss, UAB, LSU, which I mean, we're going to go over in a minute. But, I mean, when you finish against those three teams, you know, you should, you know, finish pretty strong, I would say, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's switch over to their defense. Uh, defense is uh, not been Texas A&M's strong suit over the past few years under someone, but hopefully Jimbo can turn that around. Uh, the defensive coordinator we said earlier is Mike Elko from Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a pretty good defense last year, so I think it's um, a decent hire. Um, I think they, they have talent on defense. We said they had Landis, Landis Durham, and um, I forgot the other linebacker hole. Um, Tyrell Dotson. Tyrell Dotson. That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Holds good for one thing. <laughs> Let me just put him in real quick. Um, they have a good, good JB. <laughs> JB has his uh, has has a little bit of case of the giggles tonight. Excuse us. Excuse us. Um, I don't know. Holt's just a really funny guy. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> that, JB. Let's uh, let's, get let's see if we can make some jokes about this Texas A&M defense. Yeah, yeah. I don't but, think there's really a lot to joke about. I don't know about you guys. No, they look they look pretty good, honestly. Like they're a pretty solid unit, really talented. So uh, I think Elko's going to get in there and coach him up. Uh, just like I said, Landis Durham uh, returns. He actually tied um, for the SEC lead in sacks last year. He's a guy that doesn't really ever get talked about. And if you follow us on Twitter, you saw yeah, whenever he was our he was our guy for forty six. There you go uh, for the countdown. Yeah. Uh, you know he's going to be a senior this year. So you know I feel like when you Hit your senior year, you get that extra little bit of motivation. Um, Make those and up. obviously with a new coach, you got, uh, you know, you always get that extra little bit of motivation, I think, um, you know, because it's just like a fresh message and like a new era and all those things to get excited about. And their whole front seven, honestly, are all upperclassmen. Um, a lot of these guys are seen, juniors and seniors. Um, right. They returned three, they returned three <laughs> of the four. Uh, defensive backs from last year so this should be a pretty talented and experienced team and uh, yeah at least on the defensive side of the ball and experience is really key in this conference too like we all we all talk about that like experience is key especially in the front seven like you were just mentioning juniors and seniors uh it definitely sets up for them to be a really strong unit this year and uh, i will add to that jim uh, you know people think jimbo's uh offense which he is I mean, that's what he's known for, but I mean, he's always also had pretty stout defenses at Florida State. I mean, there was that one against with Kirby Smart, it's not Kirby Smart, excuse me, uh, Jeremy Pruitt as defensive coordinator, and they've always had a lot of talent. But he's he's had some pretty good defenses at Florida State, so I mean, a lot of that's talent based, um, more so than just him, I would say. But I still think he he's capable of putting together a good defense, uh, so I wouldn't. I would say definitely offense still a strong suit, but defense isn't going to be too bad. Which uh, brings, yeah. brings me to my next point is how we all think they are underrated at this moment in the conference. They might be kind of like a dark horse, you if you want to call them that. Um, not necessarily to, I, I mean, they could win the conference, but they could they could definitely scare scare a few teams, a really good teams. Um, so we we said earlier, eight to nine wins, what we think, and if. You know, they finish off the season strong or compete in games towards the end of the year. They'll that'll look like success for Jimbo Fisher. We'll uh, we'll go through their schedule now, um, which <laughs> we'll we'll add to this that they um, we're doing a SEC slow smoke Twitter tw- Twitter campaign to see <clears throat> who the lot of stadium is. And I think Kyle Field made it to the second round, and they are currently losing to Arkansas, which 
um, that might be more fan based than fan driven than anything. But um, I, th- um, I think I think us... give it another twenty four hours. I give it another twenty four hours. Last time, the last uh, round, A and M took a while for them to get going in the first round in the in the polls against LSU. But once they got it going, like they never looked back. So I, I, I wouldn't put it past A and M and Kyle Field to beat uh, our you know, Reynolds Stadium. Yeah, I think the second round. I think most of us here, all three of us would agree that we probably think Kyle Field is the loudest if if one of the loudest, if not the loudest, uh stadiums in the SEC. So they have a great yeah home field advantage when, you know, they don't fall apart towards the end of the year. Yeah, like not to get off subject, but I mean I think there's like three stadiums in the SEC that kinda like separate themselves from the rest of the pack. That's Kyle Field, Tiger Stadium and Neyland Stadium. And of course, of course, of course Neyland Stadium from JB. But I would, I would have to agree with you. Probably, most likely Neyland um, included, just because I did go to that Tennessee Florida game um, a couple years before, a couple years ago at, when they broke the Florida win streak, um, and College Game Day was there. Phil Fulmer showed up. Little did he know that he was going to fire, fire. Uh, I probably did know that he's going to become the next AD at that moment. But Butch Jones fell apart after that. But that's. A story for another day, but it was very loud that day. I will, I will admit that. Um, getting into their schedule, though, and um, so uh, a couple of these are pretty easy. They start off the season with Northwestern State at home. I think we can all agree that they'll win that game. Uh, Thursday night game too. So oh hey, we're yeah, we're gonna be watching yeah, that one because we're yeah. gonna be down for some football. Yeah, exactly. But, like I love these Thursday night opening games too because by then, like you're just. Even though they're playing Northwestern State, and that's gonna be a snoozer, and they'll be over at the end of the you know, first quarter, you're still getting your first taste of football. And this are, this will be our opportunity to scout A&M. Yeah, I, and it's going to be the only SEC team playing that night, too. So all eyes in the SEC are going to be on A&M that night. This is what our countdown is for, is for the first SEC game, which is A&M on Thursday, August 30th. Um, I'm a little disappointed that they're not starting off the year playing South Carolina, but um, they do play South Carolina later. So um, it'll still be exciting to watch them play just because football will have started. So we'll say Northwestern State will win. I want to ask you all because I know the answer. Now we get to the good one on September 8th where we where they play Clemson at Kyle Field. Uh, Clemson is a consensus top three team, I think, for most people. So this one's going to be a big challenge. So we'll know <clears throat> way if they're, they're going to be good or not or what kind of team they are. Um, I'm going to say that they're going to lose that game. What do you say, Holt? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, I do think it's going to be a pretty close game, though. I think the fact that they're at home, it'll be the first big game of the year. Very um, yeah, it's going to be really loud there, really great environment. Obviously, Jimbo is very familiar with Clemson. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they may know the Clemson may know the system that uh, Texas A&M is running really well, but they're not going to know the personnel quite as well as Jimbo is going to know. Clemson's personnel and how they're going to use them. So I think they could maybe use that to her advantage a little bit. But I think uh, Clemson's defensive line is going to be the difference in this game. They Their defensive line is, like, ridiculous. I think they have, like, two or three guys projected to go in the first round next year. Um, and, obviously, they've been to the college football playoff two years in a row now – or three years in a row now. Yeah. Um, so right. – you're talking about one of the. You're talking about like one of the top programs in the country early in the season. I don't know if Texas A&M is going to have their offense rolling. I could see this maybe being a little bit of a low-scoring game, uh, tight game, but I think Clemson's going to get it at the end. KB, you know, like when I look at this game, like 
this is a tremendous opportunity for Jimbo Fisher to really put a stamp and get his signature win, you know, in the second game of his career at A&M. And like Ola was saying, uh, Jimbo Fisher is really familiar with Clemson. He's been playing them for the past few years. Uh, Florida State and Clemson have been competing at the top of ACC. I really, really want to pick A&M in this one. I do think that A&M will probably jump out to an early lead in this one. They're going to be playing on a lot of adrenaline early. It's going to be likely a, a Correct me if I'm wrong. It's going to be a night game in Kyle Field. and 6 p.m. start. Yeah, 6 p.m. start. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere. The adrenaline is going to be flowing. I do like A&M to keep this thing close all the way through the fourth quarter, but I do think Clemson will prevail at the end. All right, so start off one and one, and then they take on Louisiana Monroe. I'm going to say win on this one. One quick answer, yes or no, or win or loss, J.B. and Holt. When? Yeah, I don't see any. I don't know much about ULM this year, but I don't think they're going to be able to win that game. They Monroe's did. had some decent teams. Like I think they're about. I've I've looked at them a little bit from previous few years up until this season, and they'll probably be like a five hundred team. You know, but that's Sun Belt standards. I, I think they are stealing all of LSU's recruits now, is what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. Only- <laughs> ULM is the, is the new – they're the new it school in Louisiana. It's, it's only because- – I mean, LSU needs some competition in that state. I mean, they pretty much had that state on lockdown. They're only beating LSU in recruiting because they can't understand Coach O. Yeah, I feel like you're either – you're two, two ways with Coach O. You either love him and you don't – you love how you can't understand him or you, like, look at him like, what the hell are you saying every single time? You're like, I don't understand this guy. I don't like him. But I think everybody kind of – or at least of Louisiana kind of loves him just for who he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get to another big game. This could potentially be a game day game as well. Uh, they play Alabama at Bryant Denny Stadium. Only outside game day, only because game day does like to go to Alabama quite a bit. Um, I'm going to say loss just because it's at Bryant Denny, even though Bryant Denny isn't as loud as Caulfield. I'll still say loss because Alabama is just going to be, again, too good. And the, I mean, shout out to A&M for scheduling. I mean, they didn't schedule Alabama, obviously, or they have to play them in the West, but they scheduled Clemson and Alabama. That's two of the four playoff teams from last two years and probably two teams again this year. Uh, that's definitely a loss for me. Uh, I mean, this could really actually be an ugly game, too. I hate to say it. Just too, too much. Alabama's just uh, – they're, they're ultra-talented this upcoming season. I mean, that, I know they lost a lot of guys on defense, but they're just at the reloading stage, like – They've been reloading for five years. They're going to be awesome again on defense. Their offense has the potential to be better. This is in Bryant-Denny. This game will be over third quarter. possibly by halftime, but I'm going to say at least midway through third quarter. I think as soon as they, they get to that fourth quarter and they hold up those fours with um, – what's his name? Cochran, is that his name? <laughs> Scott Cochran. Scott Cochran. Going crazy on the sideline, acting like he built everybody up, and he's going to play some defense for him. I just think it's it's going to be over by then. Holt, uh, do you think do you think they can keep it under ten points, like under 10, 10 point loss? I should say. I think the only way that's going to happen is if they play just a lights out defensive game, um, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. I think Alabama's going to be able to move the ball on them um, a little bit. Um, but I don't think a and going to be able to move the ball in Alabama at all. You know, if you go back and look, you know, we talked about it. You know, it gets talked about all the time. Mm. But uh, I think I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, though. Yeah, but he – like, Nick, Nick Saban just totally owns pro-style systems. You know what I mean? And, and mobile quarterbacks, like, like this is the game where, like, he's going to 
they're going to try to run like a play action or something and like do it like a five step drop and Starkle is just going to get like strip sacked and you know Alabama's going to score a touchdown like you know in the first quarter like I mean that's just like to me that this game has that written like all over it. Yeah, I just I just think it's a bad matchup for AM too because they're two contrasting styles. Alabama's going to try to run the ball down your throat the entire game and by like we're saying by the fourth quarter I think there's it's too much too much sauce, too much too much talent on Alabama side, too much uh too much physicality on Alabama side uh for Yeah. To- Alabama just enforces its will against its opponents and and then will be a victim in this game. Uh but I think Alabama's really just going to roll through the conference this year. But that, that'll be for another time to talk about. Then you come back to Dallas at AT&T Stadium to play the classic game against Arkansas every year. And this is – this I'll tell you, this is a new-look Arkansas, which had more. So it's not going to be the same um, same style of Arkansas. So different styles. Um, I, I must say that's a win just because Chad Moore is his first year and – um, he's not going to have the culture and the style of uh, offense he wants to run yet with the right players. Um, I think Holt's going to agree with me. I'll just I'll skip over you, Holt. Sorry. I'll ask JB. Do you think Do you think this will be a high scoring game? Do you think Arkansas and A and M will be in the fifties now with two different um, two different styles of offenses? I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. I think this game is going to. I think A and M is probably going to get into thirties in this game. But I, I do like A and M in this one. Uh, Chad Morris doesn't have the athletes or the kind of players in place for his system, and I think he's not going to be able to move the ball as well on A&M's defense. I think A&M's defense is going to be able to shut them down. A&M, I think, is going to win this by double digits uh, pretty comfortably, too. All right, all right. Now we're rolling with A&M. Now we have Kentucky at home um, on Kyle Field on October 6th. Um, I'm going to say this is a win. Uh, Holt, do you think Kentucky will ever get over the hump, or do you think we'll still be asking Mark Stoops, how was that 7-6 and six? record again <laughs> yeah I don't I don't think uh Kentucky's really gonna have a chance to win this game I think uh Texas A&M just got way better athletes and um I mean they're at home I just I just don't see Kentucky winning this game even with uh Benny Snell um but you know I mean as far as Mark Stoops goes I mean I think he does an okay job but I think he's not anything special honestly not that like, he or like his- yeah yeah, there's there's nothing about him that makes me think like you know wow like I can't believe he's you know he did that or I can't believe he pulled that off or everything about his career has just been exactly kind of like a slow a slow build exactly and uh, I'd say this is a win as well for a And M. Mark Stoops is the definition of mediocrity in the SEC and at Kentucky mediocre results in football are perfectly fine. But God, I, I dang, think- Jamie. <laughs> I mean, I'm just speaking the truth. I mean, Kentucky's a basketball school. But anyways, I do think this is going to be a very comfortable win for A&M again. Uh, they have way too much talent on their team compared to Kentucky. Uh, the only way Kentucky has a chance in this game is if Snell can go for 200-plus, but not against that A&M front seven. A&M wins by double digits. I think by October 6th, uh, Kentucky Midnight Madness will already have started, so it'll be you know a couple weeks away from basketball season, so I don't think they're, they're going to be ready for football anymore. They don't care, so... I'm gonna agree with you, and um, sorry, sorry, Kentucky man. Uh, it's just one day, one day we're gonna we're gonna see you uh, competing better for the East, but this isn't this isn't the time right now. Um, then we'll move on. This is a, this is a game I like to talk about right now. This is this is what I think is true 50-50 toss up game. They play at South Carolina um, on October 30th, 13th. Um, this one for me, 
I'm going to say win. Uh, it's a tough one because I think South Carolina is improving a lot. Believe it or not, under Muschamp, the same Muschamp that couldn't develop his offense at Florida and just struggled so much at Florida is now doing better at South Carolina than he was at Florida, which is crazy. But it is at South Carolina. South Carolina Stadium will be rocking for A&M because this is a toss-up game. Um, JB, do you think Jake Bentley can rally the – rally the home crowd, and uh, beat Texas A&M at home? I think South Carolina is going to come into this game as a favorite. Just glancing, you know, at both team schedules, A&M is going to be a 4-2 team coming into this game. South Carolina is going to be 5-1. South Carolina is going to easily be a top 15 team at this point, and they're going to be the favorite. But I actually believe that this will be Jimbo Fisher's first signature win at Texas A&M. I like, South, I like uh, Texas A&M in the upset in this one. Okay. Jake Bentley is my probably one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. He, he's like, oh yeah, Bentley Bentley is super underrated. I mean he's he's got all the tools, like kind of like an Aaron Murray type. Like he's an excellent leader. He can make all the throws. Great manager of the offense. And I, I like South Carolina too, but A and M has a little bit more talent. And I just like A and M to steal this one. I think this is going to be a golden opportunity for A and M to get a signature win. And I think this is going to be the one for them to do momentum too after winning the Arkansas and Kentucky games as well. Oh, do you think this is a true toss-up game, or do you think it's not going to be close? Um, no, I think it's a. I think this game could definitely go either way. I'm actually going to pick South Carolina, though, and I think this is the first time we've disagreed okay. um, that, so far. That is- but uh, I actually like South Carolina in this game. I think they have a, a pretty good team this year. Obviously, we talked about Jake Bentley. They're getting Debo Samuel back. You know, they're probably going to be 5-1, and one, top 15 team, just like JB was saying, um, coming into this game. Uh, so that crowd's going to be rocking. It's going to be a great environment, and I think uh, South Carolina's going to be able to take this game. Okay, so that's two wins predicted against one loss, so we'll go with win for a slow smoke here. The next one uh, is Holt's favorite. It's going to listen to some more cowbell at Davis Wade, taking on Mississippi State on October 27th. Um, what I will say is Mississippi State is no joke this year. They have a lot of Good people, good players returning. Fitzgerald's returning. Good, good defensive line with Jeffrey Simmons leading it. Um, I don't think I don't think Texas A&M, believe it or not, I don't think they have enough talent to beat Mississippi State at Davis Wade. It's gonna be a tough one. Um, I mean, Mississippi State does have times where they play to their competition or um, they'll throw away some games that they should have should have won, like Ole Miss or South Alabama. Sorry, but. I think though I think they're ready this year. I think it's gonna be a good year for them. So I'm gonna say they're gonna lose. Uh, A&M's gonna lose to Mississippi State at Davis Wade. Holt, what do you have to say about that? Um, oh, I can't believe I'm gonna do this, but I'm, I think I'm actually gonna pick Texas A&M to win this game. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't pick Mississippi State to go 12 and 0. I mean, that just wouldn't be that just wouldn't be right. 11, 11 and 1. But uh, well, you're right. when I was looking at Mississippi State schedule, this was one game that. Uh, as a Mississippi State fan, that kind of jumped out to me as maybe like sort of maybe not a trap game, but just a game that's kind of a little bit under the radar. Now a lot of people are talking about. Um, I think the Auburn game and the Florida game uh, are going to be really big games for Mississippi State early in the season. And I don't think there's a lot of people really talking about the Texas A&M game. But uh, I think Texas A&M definitely has the talent. And I think this is going to be one of those games. Texas A&M is obviously coming off a bye uh, before they play Mississippi State. Mississippi State will be coming off a trip to Baton Rouge. Um, obviously a very physical team. And I think this is going to be uh, an undefeated Mississippi State team, actually, at this point in the season. Um, 
And I think that Texas A&M coming off a bye, you're really going to see uh, Jimbo Fisher's coaching ability and coaching experience uh, pay off with that bye week um, against Joe Moorhead, who's a first-time SEC head coach. And uh, I think the coaching advantage is going to go to Texas A&M in this one, and I think they're going to find a way to pull it out and start Bowl. It's uh, it's funny because you and JB are different whenever you're picking your team's uh, record for the year because you're you're kind of like me where um, you're a little bit I would say you're a little more pessimistic or a little more cautious when you pick your team's uh, win loss record for the year um, and JB is like yeah uh, Bush Jones gonna win eleven games this year they might lose Alabama or uh, well Florida. I do have Mississippi State winning ten games this year so That's, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm I, pessimistic. Come on, I absolutely disagree with that. You know how I'm pretty fair about picking Tennessee. Like, I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to pick for Tennessee this year, but it's not what a lot of fans are going to want. Let's just say that. Well, but as for as, as for uh, A&M and against Mississippi State, I got Mississippi State prevailing in this one. I think State, it, up until this point, is going to have one loss under their belt. And they're going to – because I think they're going to lose one of the games to either at home against Auburn or at LSU – I think they split those coming into the A&M game. I like A&M to uh, not prevail against State. I think State's going to prevail at home. They're going to need a bounce-back win at that point to stay in the playoff hunt. And they're going to be at home with the Cowbells. And also, uh, State's defense is going to be really great. I think they can really give some fits for A&M's offense. And State will be able to control their line of scrimmage, too, and be able to, uh, especially with their awesome defensive line, I think they're going to win the battle in the trenches. So I'm I'm going with Satan this one. All right, so that's two two against one man. Me and JB are actually agreeing a lot here. Two L's and one W. Oh, so I'm sorry, your your team is to be safe. It's gonna have to win that one against A and M. Yeah, dang, that's tough. More more cowboy. By the way, I before A um, and M got to the conference, I, I knew a little bit about them. But whenever they, they play Mississippi State, like it's it's really hard for me to tell which teams which because they right. look exactly the same with those Adidas yeah. green and white uniforms. Um, and Adidas doesn't even make like different stuff for both of them. They just make like the same thing for both teams. Yeah. And it's just like, do you not know that like we play these guys and like we're all going to notice like, that's why I'm, you know, that you're doing the exact same thing for both teams. Like you're just doing like half the work. Like, there's no pro Nike here, but that's for another, another. Hey man, dude, Adidas is, is, is killing it with the kids now, man. Adidas is like killing with the, it. The, the easiest, they're, right? They're, that's what, um, yeah, with. dude. They're growing big time with the uh, with with the with the today's youth, as as people would say. The kids, the kids are our future. They're our future. Yeah, and I'm sure by then Adidas will drop Mississippi State, and like we'll have to go with like Russell or something. I think that's what uh, Hugh Freeze would say. We we care about our kids here at Ole Miss. We care about our kids. We love our kids. Yeah, that's right. He loved he loved a lot of things. Yeah, well, too much. Um, all right, moving on to. Auburn on November 3rd at Jordan Hare. Uh, Auburn's probably my maybe number third favorite team in the SEC behind Alabama and Georgia. So I really like Auburn in this game. I like Auburn overall in general for this year. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say loss. Um, I think Auburn has Jared Sidham coming back this year. I think he's going to, I don't know if he's going to win the Heisman, but I think he's going to really be the best quarterback since maybe Nick Marshall. And I think he's even better than Nick Marshall, honestly. Um, so I, I just don't think. Adam is going to be able to keep up with Auburn and their uh, hurry-up offense. Uh, JB, you have uh, you have first-hand knowledge of Auburn's hurry-up offense. I think you did go to that Tennessee-Auburn game a few years ago where Auburn just didn't stop running and controlling the entire 
possession or time o'clock. Uh, do you think Auburn will ever get off the field? <clears throat> offense will ever get off the field? I mean, A&M's defense is really good, but Auburn's, Auburn's defense is what no one really talks about. Everyone thinks about Auburn's offense, but I think their defense is going to be their best unit this year. And I like Auburn in this one, too. Uh, I don't really think a is going to be able to go on the, on the planes and be able to win this one, especially coming off a loss at State. Uh, I mean, it could be a bounce-back win, but Auburn is just – they're a really balanced team. Uh, everyone talks about Alabama and Georgia, but I think Auburn is – Really, the uh, team that's going to challenge those teams. Yeah, I actually, I actually put Auburn in the same grouping as Alabama, Georgia. I think either one of those three teams could win the SEC, and all those three teams are separated from the rest. Auburn's at home; can't pick against them. Got to go I, with Auburn. I would agree with everything you just said. Good job. That's great. Uh, Holt, do you think Texas A&M can actually stop Auburn's option offense? Um, I think they might be able to slow down Auburn just a little bit, but. Uh... You know, Auburn's coming off a bye. The game's at home. Uh, Auburn's defense is really loaded. Um, I think this is going to be one of the tougher games on AM schedule to win. Um, I, I'm going to take Auburn to win this game. Uh, but yeah, Just like I said, I think the, the defense for Auburn is going to be a little bit too much for Texas A&M's offense. Um, but, and then, obviously, in my scenario, they're coming off. This is actually going to be their third road game in a row. Uh, at South Carolina, at Mr. State, at Auburn. So they're going to be at the end of a tough stretch, and I think they're going to be worn out a little bit. And uh, I like Auburn to win this game. With your boy, Landis Durham, and was the other guy, Dodson, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Dodson. Dodson. They're, they're not going to sack Jared Sidham seven times during the game? Well, they might, but I think that uh, Auburn's defense may sack Nick Circle like 12 times. So Or or Kellen Mines, because Kel- they're not going to sack <laughs> Kellen Mines because he'll, he'll run out of bounds before they sack him. Right, right, but I mean Auburn's defensive line is going to absolutely control this game too. I mean, they, besides Mississippi State, Auburn has one of the best defensive lines in the entire conference, and and as we all say, battle or games are won up front, yeah. and Auburn's defensive line is going to control the game. Debbie, you sound a lot like Coach Speak from Media Days this week. Uh, <laughs> we'll go quick with this one, not too too long. But uh, take on Ole Miss November tenth at Kyle Field. Now we get into a three game home home stretch to finish the season. I think I think we all agree this is a win for AM, correct? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with AM in this one, but I actually think this is gonna be a high scoring game too. This this game could easily finish in the forties. Ole Miss Ole Miss's offense is really explosive, especially with the three receivers they have in Brown, Metcalf, and Lodge. And uh their quarterback Tamu is really, really good too. And I, I like this game to be a high scoring affair, but Obviously, we know that Ole Miss's defense is absolute garbage. And A&M will be able to make some stops on Ole Miss's offense. I mean, I could easily see A&M winning something like maybe, you know, 45 to 27. That was – Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think uh, this is going to be a big game for uh, Trevion Williams. I think he's going to oh, yeah. easily surpass 100 yards, maybe even get up close to 200 in this game. Um, Ole Miss's defense – you know, is it's more of the same this year, from what I can tell, and uh, they're probably just gonna be able to run like straight through them. And uh, but just like you were saying, Auburn, uh, Ole Miss's offense is good enough to keep him in the game, but I think Texas A&M is probably gonna control this game. Uh, start, you know, maybe it'll be a close game into the third quarter, but I expect Texas A&M to take control of this game. And uh, Matt Luke was getting just hit left and right with on the on media days. 
he was getting hit left and right with, man, why does your defense suck so much? Why can't y'all stop the run? When are you going to get better yeah. on the defense? And you should have heard Matt Luke's responses. Like, oh, yeah, we're just going to bring eight guys, and they're going to have to throw over the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. see how that works, man. RIP IP to Matt Luke and Ole Miss. He'll 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 write it out for the violations, but I just I don't know about him long term. But we'll see, we'll see. Maybe he can win. The Alex, game. I love it how like two weeks ago you had no idea what RIP IP meant, but now you're just saying that like all the time. <laughs> favorite thing. Um, now you're just gonna wear it out. <laughs> yeah. That's what sucks is like as soon as I catch on to something, I start. I was like, no, we don't use that. I remember back in the day. Um, I, I I would say I was the last one, but JB was the the, the very last. So I was second to last one in high school to stop wearing jorts, and then somebody told me, and then like a week later, I told <laughs> I told JB that nobody's wearing jorts, and he's like, "Really? They're really comfortable." And we both stopped wearing jorts shortly after that. This was uh, I remember the, I remember when this happened. This is our freshman year of high school, so this would have been back in well, this would have been my freshman year, so this is back in maybe. Oh six. This is the last time I ever wore uh, George's 6 Yeah, yeah we were we were really cool in high school. Yeah, I'll yeah, say, we were. I spiked my hair in the front till like probably the ninth or tenth grade too. But that's that's another story. Getting back to RIP IP to Matt Luke. Sorry, sorry, dog. We'll we'll see we'll see the next coach in a few years. But do your thing at Ole Miss for a little bit. Um, next game up is UAB, the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Birmingham. At they're, Birmingham. they're back. They're back. Hey, uh, and and also, let me just say, I absolutely love Bill Clark. I mean, I love the program he runs at UAB. And UAB always plays these SEC team stuff. So don't be surprised if they actually keep this game close in a and Especially, yeah, this, is a, this, is a tra- this is a trap game. This is a trap game. Yeah. I don't think, they, I don't think they're going to lose. But I definitely think UAB could put, like, a little scare in them, like, especially early in the game. I think y'all are both on crack. I think Texas A&M blows them out by 30. I think it'll be over by halftime, especially. Well, but, I think A&M wins by double digits, but they're going to pull away in the fourth quarter. It's it's going to be close through about two and a half quarters, maybe through three quarters. I mean, maybe it could be one of those Jimbo Fisher, like, Florida State games where, like, he was – they they won a lot of games, but they just almost lost every single game too. So, it's crazy. So maybe I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. I think it's closer than a lot of people think. All right, so we'll go with win, at Ole, win it against Ole Miss and win against UAB and then bring in the last game of the year. Um, LSU at Kyle Field. Um, do you think this is the year that AM can finally finish off the season strong with three wins in a row and beat LSU at home? I would say yes, just because I don't know a lot about LSU. Actually, I have more questions about LSU, and I don't know if they're going to be that good. They lost a lot on the, on just in general. They lost a lot last year, so I don't think they can win this one. I think AM will win this one. Debbie, you think you think AM can finally get it? Yes, AM is finally going to break the streak, and they will finally beat LSU this year. And I actually like them to win this one in pretty convincing fashion too. By this point in the season, I think LSU is going to be really hobbling, and this could be Coach Orgeron's last game as you, LSU head. Do you think we'll see? Oh, do you think we'll see Ed Orgeron eat some grass in this game? Uh, I don't think Ed Orgeron's going to be there. I think Ed Orgeron's going to be watching this game from his couch because I think he's going to get fired before this game even happens. Man. Just, uh, I think LSU's about to have a really tough year. They have a really start, uh, tough start to their schedule. Um, and uh, I just think they're going to kind of implode this year. I think their AD – I think it's going to be really similar to what happened to Arkansas last year. I think their AD is going to get fired, and then they're going to fire the coach. Yeah. And then they're going to go hire a new coach and then hire a new AD after that. 
Well, see, I don't think like I don't think LSU is going to implode. Maybe like how you think, but I think it's going to just be more of the same. I think it's just going to be mediocre, and mediocrity is just not going to survive at LSU. Like at this point, at this point in the season, I think it's going to be like a six and five team, and that just isn't good enough at LSU. Yeah, but I think I actually think they're going to come into this game with five wins, and I think they're going to lose this to make it five and seven. Um, I think AM number one. I just think AM is a better team overall. LSU does have some really good players, especially on defense. But right. I just think this is a huge point of emphasis for Jimbo Fisher to win this game. Um, I don't even – just like I said, even if Ed Orgeron is still there, that may actually, yeah. uh, you know, make it worse. Because right. <laughs> that just yeah. tells you about, like, my opinions on his coaching ability. But yeah. I just think but, that uh, this isn't – I just think this is the year that Texas A&M finally beats LSU. I think it lines up perfectly. They get him at home. It does. Jimbo Fisher's first year. I think LSU is going to have a rough season and not a lot to play for, and uh, I think a is going to pull it out. Yeah, and I, I will say this for Adron. If he survives this year, he's going to have a really talented team coming back next year, Which if one? he can survive. But Spoken I do, like I a true Tennessee fan. <laughs> but I like A&M in this one. A&M wins convincing fashion. So we think that there's a good possibility that A&M wins this one against a interim coach and Ed, Coach O – is sitting on the couch in Louisiana eating some jambalaya. Right. So, uh, what is this uh, for slow smoke for, you know, between us three? What does this put A&M for the season? I think this puts them at eight and four eight and overall, four, five, five and three in the conference. Yeah. Eight and so, that's about what we were ta- discussing at the beginning of the show. Right. Yeah. What I had A&M at as well. Eight and four. And I could see them easily winning the South Carolina game as well. Like, I know I you guys see, picked like, them. But uh, I know you guys picked them to win that game. But I could see them going nine and three even this year. I don't yeah, think see, they're going to win 10, but I think they could make it to nine. Have you listened? Yeah, so I, go ahead. I was going I was going to say, I think their ceiling is probably nine wins, would you guys say? And then maybe their floor would be seven wins, so anywhere between seven and nine wins. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. And if you listen to Jimbo talk at on Media Days, um, a couple of things. First is that he, he mentioned that um, you would think that you know, a new coach coming into a new program would be – kind of cautious on setting the expectation, but he, he didn't do that during the media days. He was talking about how, um, you know, there's no timetable to winning, and he wanted to win right now, essentially. Another thing, um, which I do like to pick on Jimbo because he just eats his words a lot, but my goodness, he was talking so much about how hard the SEC is and how great the SEC, how good the conference <laughs> SEC is right after – he talked a few years ago when he was at Florida State about how, oh, ACC is the premier conference. We're the best Yeah, he said that last year. I was like, literally 365 days ago, he was sitting there talking about how the ACC was the best conference, and now he's going to, like, just roll back into the ACC and be like, oh, hey, y'all, but good to be back in the best conference. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I will, like, either if – I, if I, like, jive Kevin Sumlin or jive Jimbo Fisher better on Twitter. They're both – I jive Kevin Sumlin was pretty good, but jive – Jimbo Fisher has a lot of potential as well. He does. Uh, he's definitely a character. All right. So this concludes our last our, our last few seconds on AM's. <laughs> this isn't our last. This isn't our last show. We yep. still got thirteen teams to go, man. RIPIP die. So we're going to preview the other thirteen teams. SEC. We're thinking we could do it thirty minutes for each team, but I guess we really get into each team unless we um, unless we start talking about Ole Miss or 
Kentucky or something, we might keep it to like 10 minutes each. But yeah, some shows are going to be shorter. Like I think Vanderbilt's going to be under 20 minutes, but you know, we might talk a little bit longer about some of the bigger schools. Yeah. <laughs> also love, like we got to like 15, 20 minutes and I was like, dude, I don't even think we're going to be able to make it to 30. And yeah. then like, we're sitting here like an hour. Like, Oh my yeah. God. I mean, we can, we can talk on and on forever about SEC football. I mean, we're that passionate. Well, it's yeah, really, dude, we love, we love food and college football more than anyone, you know, we promise. And, and a good pair of, or a set of titties. <laughs> Don't forget. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Lindsey Palos. Oh, for sure. For sure. Real, real, <laughs> real titties. Uh, but thanks for keeping the conversation going, guys. Um, I would have to pat myself on the back for talking about the jorts and spiked up hair because that, that was a key, key point to A&M's year this season this year. So I think, I think we're doing well. Um, you can continue following us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoke. And uh, we are going to try to post this to SoundCloud, Twitter, and uh, Apple iTunes. And hopefully you will hear us all next week talk about LSU, or probably tomorrow talk about LSU. Until then, peace out. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.